I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. I'm Kate. And welcome to Topical Island. Each week, one of us will deep dive into a topic that interests us. Have you ever wondered how to become a Disney princess? Is diva behavior acceptable? And what does it have to do with the opera? Will we get to work from home forever, ever? Join us as we answer these questions and more. As each week, we will take you to a different topical island. Let's do this. Kristen, you don't happen to have a peeve to share with us, do you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I am not. I know you. I sprung that on you. You did so spring that on me. Maybe you just want to give us an update. <laughs> How have you been? <laughs> well, it's funny because what I was going to say is actually the opposite of a peeve, but I will prepare one for next time because I'm definitely annoyed by things constantly. But I was going to say that I just wanted to give a like, sort of an update, I guess. Uh, I have started a daily gratitude journal and I feel like it's partially thanks to Kate and her mantras episode and it's been absolutely I've been meaning actually to talk about this for a couple weeks because I've, I've done gratitude type journals a lot like a lot over the years but I don't know if I've ever been this consistent so I'm trying to do like two to three in the morning not two to three three to four in the morning ish um like as many days as possible and man I it makes a difference it makes a huge difference I think that you know I personally am hardwired to like wake up and be like, what was I worrying about last night? Oh yeah. I got to start, start back up this morning. And so it's just been like a really good, like way to redirect the track in my brain. So thanks Kate. You've changed my entire life. That's first of all, not surprising. But that's great. <laughs> no, I think that's amazing. I am such an advocate for gratitude living mm -hmm. and um, it's, you know, sometimes it's the times when we don't have it in our lives or things are, are, we're in not a good place that it can really, um, have the most impact. Um, and so to just to get into that routine and make yourself do it is a great way to make sure that you're doing it when you most need it too. So, yeah, that's a great point. Actually, you got to get to keep that momentum going for the harder times. Absolutely. Julie. Well, I will, I'm here to tell you that my five-year-old, soon-to-be-five-year-old, is much smarter than I am officially. It has happened. <laughs> In addition to having come home and told me that a Googleplex is the largest number and that there is a type of jellyfish that can live basically indefinitely in the depths of the ocean, which I had to look up both of those things. She, We had a beautiful day yesterday. It was so hot and sunny. And both... My spouse and I have burns today. We're sunburnt. My daughter, who woke up in the morning and said, is it a really nice day? I'm going to put on my sunscreen. Has <laughs> no, no burns. She's very, she wore her hat. She had her sunscreen and she's fine. And uh, the rest of us are suffering. But I mean, to get a sunburn in April is almost a gift. So... It's a beautiful thing, but thank God she's able to parent herself. <laughs> How about you, Kate? How was the week? You know, it's been a good week. Um, what do I have to share? I feel like not necessarily anything really exciting. We did get a, a just a small little patio set for our small little backyard. And so we set that up 
well, I set it up. Um, and uh, it was outside enjoying the weather yesterday. And today, of course, it's covered in snow, but that's okay. Um, because we made the most of it, which is why I know you got why you have a sunburn, Julie, you had to make the most of the day knowing what was coming. So yes, and the sun will come back. But so long as we don't have any other business to attend to, let's dive right in. So Kristen, you're taking us somewhere this week. Where are we going? So today, I would like to chat about something that I didn't know very much about, which was the 2018 Hawaiian false missile alert. Ooh. Oh, what kind of had initially got me thinking about this, which was which I'm not going to get into too deeply. But um, when Jim Carrey was doing his like most recent book tour called Memoirs and Misinformation, um, sorry, that was the name of his book. He t- told the story a lot because the front cover of his book is actually like a picture, I believe, a selfie that he took of himself when he learned that he was basically going to have 10 minutes to live because he was actually in Hawaii during the false missile alert. Interesting. Yeah. And so that, I don't, I, I guess it must have been a fairly defining moment for him, obviously, because um, that was what he put as the cover of his book. But it, it did get me thinking. I knew, I heard about that incident, but I never really heard much about why it happened or how it happened or what, what even actually really happened. No, I remember hearing about it as well, but it just... I mean, by the time we heard about it in the news, it was had already been declared a false alarm. And exactly. that was that. Exactly. <gasps> Tell us more. <laughs> so it was the morning of Saturday, January 13th of 2018 at 8.07 a.m. that an emergency message was sent to cell phones that said in Hawaii, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. Wow. Sorry, at that time, was that around the time that, you know, North Korea was considered a potential threat? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it was so so heightened is that um, we'll get into that because I, I, now that we're a little bit past the Donald Trump era, we kind of forget about all the some of the tweeting. As I mentioned, that was it happened on in January of 2018. So one of his tweets, for example, on September 17th of 2017 I spoke with President Moon of South Korea last night, asked him how Rocket Man is doing, long gas lines forming in North Korea. Too bad. I You don't hear his tweets all the time anymore, so they sound so shocking. But, you know, there was that whole time when he was talking about North Korea, you know, and calling him Rocket Man, Kim Jong-un. Right. It was on August 8th of 2017 that he had his famous line, North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States because they will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I know it all feels so long ago, but, um, but yeah, that was what was kind of going on at the time. And so North Korea on November 28th of 2017 had announced his capability for striking U.S. mainland. And so that was kind of the context of all this. So let's say tomorrow we got this notification on our phones. We'd kind of be like, it'd be scary. It'd be like, what the heck? But this is kind of in the context of... It was a very real threat at the time. And so... Many individuals, knowing kind of about the threat, would have gotten this text and knowing that they had about 15 minutes because it takes 20 minutes for a missile to get from North Korea to Hawaii, and it would take about five minutes for the military to identify the launch. And so for many people who woke up to this text or this um, notification, they would have in their mind known that they had about 15 minutes to get somewhere where they felt safe. Yeah. 
under nuclear attack. I'm not sure where that is. Exactly. So on the televisions, they were saying the message was a missile may impact land or sea within minutes. This is not a drill. If you're indoors, stay indoors. If you're outdoors, seek shelter in a building. So this was kind of the scroll that was going through on a lot of the television stations. Hmm. And sorry, you said it also went via text. So they had the, an emergency alert system that was going to phones and the fo- and the TV was backing this up. Yeah. And so as we'll get into a lot of, there was a lot of confusion because some of the notifications that people would anticipate would be going off weren't going off and some were. So, you know, there was lots of different mixed signals going on, um, which I think is what led to a lot of what was so confusing about it. Six minutes after 8.07, so 8.13, when people were receiving these messages, it was cancelled from the bunker that had sent it out. But that was pretty much pointless because it was more so if your phone had been out of the service area, you wouldn't get it, but it didn't do anything to correct the situation. How do you mean it didn't do anything to correct it by saying that it was not, it was, it was an accident? So it was, um, there was no, there was no message that was able to go out at the time to say this is a mistake. But like if you're, if you had been uh, out of the service area and you got into the service area, you wouldn't have gotten the message, but you would not, but there was no cancellation. It was just that it stopped sending them out. Oh, it wasn't an additional message that went out. It just stopped sending. So at this time when they knew that it wasn't, it was no longer a real threat, people still didn't know that. Exactly. And so, um, so internally what was going on was that people were knew that it wasn't a threat. So like the officials. So at 819 and 824, Hawaiian Congressman Tulsi Gabbard tweeted out from separate accounts. She had retweeted the notification and said, Hawaii, this is a false alarm. There's no incoming missile to Hawaii. I've confirmed with officials and there's no incoming missile. But this is still, you know, quite a few. This is so this was 807 to 819. And so, you know, this is quite a ways from the actual first message. And then uh, Governor Ige, who is still currently the Hawaiian governor, then also retweeted the cancellation notice at 824. But that was because he had actually, we'll find this out later, but he had actually lost his Twitter password. Oh my goodness. He knew within two minutes that it was a false alarm, but was unable to communicate (gasps) that. Because he forgot his password? Yes. But then the funny thing about that was that at 830, he posted cancellation to his Facebook page. And in, in the article I was reading, it said he didn't, say whether he was also locked out of his Facebook account. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I can't imagine a more stressful situation to not have your password. No, because we've not and then had I, our You password. know what I bet happened? Mm-hmm. Have you ever gone to reset your password? And then when you try to reset it, the password that you tried to type in yes. like, time after time. Oh, yeah. And then it says, your password cannot be changed to something that it has already been. Totally. Yes. Like, what? And then he, he gets at the press conference and he's like, and then I put it in again. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> I don't think it's in this day. And, you know, you we talked about Trump there. Now that it's basically a requirement of political officials to use Twitter and I use requirement kind of loosely, but it is a tool in their toolkit. Um, I, I just think maybe that's a, I think that's a good cautionary tale for all um, elected officials. Like even if you don't tweet, just have it ready just in case, because if that's the only way he felt like he could communicate with people on the broader scale, mm-hmm. not acceptable, but kind of funny in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an interest. It's definitely, I mean, he's still the governor now, so it's obviously 
you know, he made his way through that situation. But at 8.45, which was 38 minutes since the alert, so I guess well after everyone would have anticipated impact or whatever you call it, hundreds of thousands of phones got another alert that said, there is no missile threat or danger to the state of Hawaii. Repeat, false alarm. So a press conference was held that afternoon of January 13th, shortly after it happened, so which was when the press at the press conference, David Ige blamed the false warning on a state employee who had, quote, pressed the wrong button. <laughs> that is somebody's worst day. I don't, who had a worse day? The guy who hit the wrong button or the guy who couldn't sort out his password to tell everybody was somebody hit the wrong button? No, the guy who hit the wrong button. <laughs> if the only thing separating the whole state of an emergency such as a nuclear attack is one person who has a choice between two buttons, that is a very flawed system. Absolutely. That's very true. Was that the system? There was two buttons? Was it that? I can't imagine it was that simple. Well, I picture a big green button and a big red button. <laughs> test, test, and real, real deal. Um, actually, that is not what happened. And I'm going to tell you what actually happened. I won't speculate because I don't know what, what, why he said that at that time. But let's just chat about some of the players here. So David Ige is an American politician who's currently still serving as the eighth governor of Hawaii. He's a Democrat, and he previously served in the Hawaii State Senate. The Federal Communications Commission and Hawaiian officials were the ones who were brought in to investigate the incident. So they announced that the same day as the false alarm, but they would launch a full inquiry. Vern Miyagi is the administrator of the emergency, sorry, the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency. So that means that the people that worked for him are the ones who sent out the alert. And then Bruce Oliveira is a retired army general who, who led the investigation. So, the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, which I never knew what that was stood for, maybe, maybe I did, um, <laughs> were actually the ones who went in and to find out more about this employee who had allegedly pushed the wrong button. Um, but that they found that this actual individual had been a source of concern for 10 years and had twice confused drills with real world events. Twice previous to this. Yes. He's been a concern for 10 years and this is his job? I know. And why is he the guy sitting in front of these buttons? <laughs> this big green button. Um, I don't, you know, that's, I guess, for them to find out. I guess that, so the two, one was for a fire and one was for a tsunami. And I guess he had been counseled. So, I, I mean, I'm assuming that that's how they've justified keeping him on. He received counseling or count. I don't know if it's counseling or was re-education or whatever it was so what so if you recall the alarm went off at 807 mm -hmm. beginning at 805 the midnight so it was a shift change the midnight supervisor at the agency began an unplanned drill during shift change he pretended to be from the united states pacific command on a phone call placed to day shift workers so on the call he said exercise 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 which is required when tests are conducted and they do that at both the beginning and the end but the mistake that he made was that during the call, he also said, this is not a drill, which I guess they're not supposed to say. So according to Bruce Oliveira, who was the uh, one who was leading the investigation, um, it did not adhere to the script outline, the protocol. However, the button pusher failed to hear exercise, 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 although the five others who were part of the drill 
got it right and probably hadn't been confused for the last 10 years. Oh. So did he pick up the call late and hang up early <laughs> or <laughs> and only captured um this is not a drill which seems like a, a standard set of guidelines if it is a drill to not say that. Yeah, they said he well Julie Julie you used to do something sort of like this. Mhm. I worked in emergency management for years. And so in my experience, we always say this is neck exercise, exercise, exercise. Oh, that's real. And then you ask, that's a real. This is a thing you do when you're practicing. Okay. And you say, do you understand that this is an exercise? And you do not proceed until that person responds. Yes, I understand this is an exercise. Oh. And I've like been participated in um, drills where you even call different companies as if you were in an incident. And mm-hmm. I once called a helicopter company. They had no idea that we were doing an exercise, but they're a vendor that could potentially be needed during an incident. And so I just called them randomly one day and I was like, hi, this, I work at such and such a place. We're doing an exercise. Do you understand that this is an exercise? Mm-hmm. And they responded, yes, I understand that this is an exercise. Exercise. I then proceed to order a helicopter and then you, oh. my, you didn't have to, but I always mentioned it at the end as well. But it is actually an important thing to ask the person, do you understand that this is an exercise for the very reason that you might get flustered and go off script a bit and say like, this is not a drill or kind of get in the moment because you really play things out. And that's the whole point of an exercise. I'm still not, let's call him the button pusher. I still do not understand how he was left with his finger on the button, but I'm sure we'll get there. But no, it's, it is true. You say exercise, 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 even in your, if you're typing an email, you write it at the beginning or mock, mock, mock. And then when you're communicating, you always ask the question and then wait for a response. You are not to proceed until you get a response. That totally makes sense. Nothing that I've read has mentioned the question part. So I don't know if that's part of their procedure, but it, but it sounds like at least the exercise, exercise, exercise part. And like I mentioned, Everyone else who was present was not confused. Yeah. So the employee then was on his computer. In a written statement, he said that he did believe it was a real emergency. He chose from options on a drop-down menu that included test and real alerts. So it might be tsunami alert, test, tsunami, real. I don't know what it actually said, but that's what it kind of seems like. You know, there's the, the mix. Right. And then he is prompted with a question. Are you sure you want to send out this alert? And he clicked yes. And you're right, Kate. There was no, no one else was involved in this exchange. He made both those decisions autonomously. Everyone around him, I think, was like, what? That is not. (laughs) I think is a direct quote. When he was directed to cancel, he just sat there and didn't respond. To the point where in the report, another employee actually had to take his mouse and cancel, send the cancel message. What? So he was just kind of frozen in time. And the interesting thing about him as well was that he actually didn't end up uh, cooperating with the FCC or the internal investigations. He did do a, write, a written, I guess, uh, statement, but that was all. Uh, Chuck Anthony, who was also involved in the, cur- Lieutenant Colonel Chuck Anthony, who was also involved in the investigation said, we did ask for voluntary cooperation. 
he's the only one that didn't cooperate and they had no recourse for making him um, cooperate. And so, and there are, and if you, if you search online, there are like, uh, you know, witness, witness interview things with him, like where he's in the dark. Oh Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So that was kind of the situation. So yes. Questions. Okay. Questions. So many questions. I have all the questions. So he went onto like different media outlets and did anonymous interviews, but he refused to cooperate with the actual investigation. Based on what I wait on what this Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Chuck Anthony was saying. And based on what I saw on YouTube. Yes. You know, I have to say when you first told us that they had blamed it on this one person who pushed the wrong button. My initial thought was, oh, I feel bad for that person. They're going to just, you know, fire one guy, say it was all their fault. Um, But the more you tell us, the less sorry I feel for him. Totally. Was he fired? Yes, he was fired. Okay. I mean, maybe he's been trying to get fired for the last 10 years and he finally, you know, was like, this is my chance. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that there's, I'm sure he has a complicated story. I'm sure he does. Now, I'm curious, was there any backlash? Yeah, he's, I mean, he said he was, go- he was getting depth threats. He was getting death threats, although I'm not sure how, oh. if no one knew who he was. Wow. But I think one thing that, well, I'll get into his boss because I think it's a um, show of, well, his boss was in the army for 37 years. And I think some of his decisions really showed his leadership skills, which I'll show you and tell you in a minute. But I just just to close the loop on the uh, messages. So the last message, as I mentioned, that there is no missile threat or danger to the state of Hawaii. Repeat false alarm. It's a 15 word message that looked like it's hastily written. It has some odd capitalization. And the re- the word repeat doesn't really precede anything that happened in the cell phone version. Um but it took 38 minutes to send out because the template had to be designed and then coded into the system. And the state thought it needed permission from the Federal Emergency Management Agency to send the message, which it actually didn't. And it also all happened early on a Saturday morning, which is when the tech people weren't at work. Oh, my goodness. All of these things are awful. <laughs> Did they just assume that mistakes would absolutely never happen or they would never have to recall? Uh, Like, why weren't these templates made and ready to go? Especially when twice before the guy had mistaken like a drill for the real thing. So they know that people can make that error. Yeah. And I don't know how far those two incidences went. Obviously, it didn't cause as much mass chaos. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it's definitely one of those... You know, it's like the Twitter password. It's one of those, hmm, like hindsight's twenty twenty. But if you're in emergency management, it's, you're hoping it's something that you would have thought about. Yeah. Everything um, went wrong that day. Holy. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything went wrong. And so Vern Miyagi, who, as I previously mentioned, uh, was in the army for 37 years, retired as a major general. Um, he was actually at home when he actually just got the message on his phone when he got the initial message and he's like their boss, right? So he's, it's his office who sent this out. Who's sending this out. And so he actually wasn't too terribly concerned because some things had recently happened with Kim, Kim Jong. And as I mentioned before, there was a lot of, um, you know, some of those messages were like a few months ago and, and um, he had felt as a Kim Jong, Jong Un wasn't a current threat. He had just agreed to send athletes to the Olympics. So he didn't view him as a current uh 
major threat. Like he, he seemed like he was kind of planning on moving forward <laughs> with the world anyways. Um, and so he actually just based on his resources in his head kind of, and he hadn't gotten a call from anyone in the office. He didn't, I guess his initial reaction was so, that maybe it was an error and that he didn't think likely anything like this was happening. And so, so even though he got the message on his phone, he just kind of assumed, well, I, I think I can just brush this off. Well, no, he did call in and they said it was an error, but I think he just, he didn't get okay. all panicky in, internally. Right. And right. so he did call in and say, someone said, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's, it was a mistake kind of thing. And so, but so he was, of course, called to this press conference in the in, earlier in the day where the press was like, who did this? Like, whose mm-hmm. fault is we this? We want answers. And yeah. he said, if you want to hold somebody accountable, it's me. And he spelled out his name. And then they said, well, what were you doing? And he said, I was at home at sleep, but it's on me because he's the boss. And wow, couldn't a lot of leaders learn from that? Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah. He resigned on January 30th in response to the false alarm. Wow. And um, he did say, people talk about PTSD from this event. He said he was in the military for almost four decades. He knows about PTSD. He says, my personal view is we had 38 minutes of inconvenience. Well, I mean. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Did Jim Carrey agree with that? Well, we'll get back to Jim Carrey in a moment. Okay, okay. Okay, because I have qu- – that's an, that's also just very interesting because I don't think that my first thought, if I got a message that you've got minutes to yeah. find somewhere because you're under ballistic missile attack, yeah. would be to take a selfie of my <laughs> oh. feelings at that moment. I just Good think point. that's really interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting reaction. That's true. You're right. Jim Carrey did also have an interesting reaction. So just – Quickly, the, um, to appease your minds, the pub- the report that was published by Oliveira, um, he he faulted insufficient management controls, poor computer software design, and human factors, and they they changed some rules such as. Um, I hope more than one person is in charge of the button. Yeah. Oh, two people to sign off an alert, and then yeah. also just some some more um, gr- geographical targeting so that it's more precise when they send out these alerts. So I think everyone in Hawaii got this. So fortunately, nobody was reported to have died that morning, at least not from the nuclear panic. So if, if it was from something else, it's not, it's not attributed to it, obviously. Uh, I did read one place where there was, um, you know, accidents on the highway just because people were driving really quickly to get where they're going, but right. no, no deaths. And then some interesting stories. I mean, you could do a whole nother podcast about the human side of this. You know, one father, for example, was trying to get his kids into like a manhole. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, dear. I mean, you do what you do. Um, yeah. But um, Miyagi uh, said that was probably not the safest place for them to be. Um, I, w- I want to say uh, GQ, who I find writes the most incredible articles. I mean, I'm sure they're really happy to hear that I think their articles are great. Um, they wrote this absolutely beautiful article called The Real Story of the Hawaiian Missile Crisis that went detailed a lot more people, like kind of their experiences and how just different people dealt with it and what it was like from a more human side. So I would recommend if anyone has any interest, it's it definitely is interesting from that perspective. But to bring it back to the human side, um, Jim Carrey, you know, the most human of us all. Mm. Uh, so he had been working in Hawaii with his daughter while he was writing. 
And uh, his assistant had called him to tell him basically they had 10 minutes. And so he was contemplating, you know, do I get in my car, um, you know, drive off of my car with my daughter. Uh, and he's, he thought in his head, I don't want to, I don't want to die in my car. So he uh, just sat and looked at the ocean and he said, he went, went over a list of gratitudes. He said, I could not stop thinking about the wonderful things that have happened to me and the blessings I've had. He said, he added that it was lovely and he got to a point of grace with two minutes to spare. Wow. And I said, he said, all I was doing was planning on closing my eyes and be thankful because it's been a good ride. I kind of hope that that's what I would finish off with. I kind of think that's a, a beautiful response. I agree. I mean, I think that's, it's kind of like one of those things when you hear about something terrible happening and someone does the right thing and you're like, oh, I really wish I was that person. Not the right thing, but you know what I mean? The <laughs> yeah, the thing that mm-hmm. sounds the most reasonable. And, and I agree. I mean, I hope, I wish too, because I mean, at that point, I mean, there there's some, I, I did read some stats about whether or not something like that could be as, would actually be as devastating as to take out the entire island, those or the islands, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, like if you, if there was, you were in a situation where there's very little you could do about it, I think it would be nice. You know, like the, even in the article I mentioned with GQ, it was like, you know, one guy was trying to get his son to, he was separated from his wife and he was trying to get his son to put on his shoes so they could drive to the wife. And without scaring the kid, like, you know, you don't want to be terrifying your child in the last, you know, moments, possibly screaming at them to get their shoes on, you know, so (laughs) it's like, uh, you know, it it is definitely very interesting. And I'm sure all of us would handle it very differently. And that was another funny point made was that, um, you know, Hawaii, Julie, have you been to Hawaii? Nope. It's it's definitely like, you know, fairly laid back spot. So, you know, would this happen in a different state or a different, you know, area of the world, it could have been a total different story too. I mean, the fact that nobody died is kind of mm. amazing. Yeah, you had mentioned car crashes, but I guess you'd also be taking into consideration if anybody, like if somebody had a heart attack due to that kind of news. Yeah, there was one example of a heart attack that happened during the crisis, but it wasn't able to be tied directly. But um, okay. yeah, it's it sounded like it wasn't, oh gosh, it was causation, but not correlation or one or the other. Right. But well, yeah. yeah. And now this gets a little bit dark, but thank goodness nobody kind of thought, Mom, I'm going to go on my own terms. Yeah. Instead of mm. waiting for whatever radiation or. Yeah, that's a good point. So thank yeah. goodness for that. Maybe I don't. And maybe that would have been hard to directly attribute. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I know. So it's um, yeah. definitely one of those stories where it def, you know, it was a, it was a headline and there was a lot behind it. A lot. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of, I mean, it happens so much with big things that if I think if you were a part of it, it would probably stay with you forever. Yeah. Um, I mean, if people are talking about PTSD. Yeah. um, Too. But yeah, I kind of just forgot about it. So thank you for bringing it back to the forefront for us. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And it's definitely a story that, you know, here, I mean, I think Hawaii, you know, I was reading too about, you know, tsunamis. They, you know, I've, I was in areas where, you know, they've got all the alarm systems in case of tsunamis or you're in a tsunami zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so they definitely, you know, it's, it's definitely different, you know, living in Calgary, Alberta, we have less of those types of things going on. So, you know, the actual exact situation is not as likely, but I think the human aspect of it is really interesting, you know, just kind of thinking about, oh my goodness, like what would, 
I don't know what I would do in that situation, you know, and, uh, you know, I would hope, you know, we, we should, we wish we could all be Jim Carrey in that situation, but. Yeah. And I could see that as much as um, people might've had those moments of enlightenment, mm-hmm. once the thread had passed, mm. I can also, it, it's, I'm guessing people weren't able to hang on for that for too long when they then realized that it was just a cluster of mistakes mm-hmm. that led to something that could have yeah. been very, very serious. Um, right. Like mm-hmm. there could have been accidents easily. There could have been yeah. more heart attacks. There could have been individuals who um, just took it into their own hands. There could have been doctors or nurses who would have walked out of the hospital and said, I'm going home. Like yeah. any of yeah. that could have happened, but thankfully yeah. did not. And now there are new protocols in place. And the guy and the guy's gone. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Now, Kristen, did you happen to watch any of these interviews? Like, I'm curious, does he have a completely different story? Like I said, I think he has a complicated back history and that he he just seems very, like he's very tied to his story that he, you know, thought saw it as the threat, thought he was doing the right thing. He doesn't seem to have a really good explanation for why he, you know, he just said he didn't hear the exercise, exercise, exercise. It's just very s- simple responses. And so I don't know. Nobody asked him if he understood that it, it was just a drill. Nobody asked him. And that it's a pretty simple fix, that one. <laughs> Which I, I didn't see that in the policy, Joel. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Wouldn't that be something if, I don't know. It's a, to, to my knowledge, it's a pretty common practice in the emergency management world, but mm-hmm. it wasn't happening. And it's, it's a, a simple thing that you can do to um, make sure that, I mean, obviously, a, a human could forget to ask the question, but it's not a bad thing to just put into practice. Mm-hmm. Can I ask one final question? Yes. How do you think you would react? It's interesting because I think like, it's just, it would be, I don't know if my reaction would be different if I was at home. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if I would be, if I was on vacation, I'd be very, even more so discombobulated. But that being said, yeah. and I don't know, like for, like for me, I... Do you remember every once in a while we'd get these like asteroid warnings that we were going to get hit by an asteroid? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That was like my biggest fear growing up. That's because there were so many stupid movies about that. Armageddon, <laughs> Deep Impact. Like, yeah. this was yeah. a real threat. And I mean, I'm- yeah, this was. I feel like around 2012, this was a real threat. <laughs> So that, you know, let me put myself in that. Let me, I could put myself in that. We're, we're about to get hit by an asteroid. I think we need to go back minutes. to you getting warnings about asteroids. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I distinctly remember, and I was a, I was a very worrying child. So I was worried about things. I was worried about things all the time. And, and I was listening to a morning show one morning and the woman said, so scientists are saying that we might be getting hit by an asteroid in 20 years, blah, 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 blah. And that I was, I went to school that day. Julie might've seen me at school that day. I don't know, but I was beside myself. Interesting. Huh. I would like to think that I would try, I don't know if I would like, I would think I would try to do what Jim Carrey did in terms of like, think about what I was grateful for, but I would try the, to the best of my abilities to just stay calm and kind of enjoy the moment as much as possible. Julie? Well, I, I guess I would hope that I was with, as many people that I care about as possible, but not in the sense that that I want them to go down with me. I would hope that my last moments with those that I care about were 
physically that where was that I was with them and physically able to hold them and tell them I love them. And I think that's what I would want. I think that if I wasn't, I would probably be on the phone just mm. those things. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was alone, I don't know that I, I don't know that I would be able to sit quietly and peacefully and, 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 and be grateful. I think I would, I think I need to panic. I think I'd be looking for a manhole. Oh man. But that's the thing is that I, I would love to say, you know, I'm going to um, hold those I love tight or I would make a few phone calls and say, Hey, I love you. As much as I would love to say that I would be very, that I would be very loving and call people. I might be a manhole person. I might freak out. What if that one activity that you could take would be like you'd be the lone survivor because you were in the manhole? Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. I don't think we we really know until we're in that situation. So let's let's all hope that we never have to really think about it. Well, you're not sure. off the hook though, Kate. What do you what would you do? I am exactly the same. Um, in that I actually have no idea. Yeah. I like to think of what I would do would be very rational and calm, but I too do not know if I would panic. Hopefully I'll I'll never have to make that choice. Exactly. Well, Julie, <laughs> it is now your turn to lighten this up. Lighten this up. Let's lighten this up. Well, my story today is called The Cat Came Back. This is just <laughs> the true story of a cat coming back. So a gen- a man in California, 15 years ago, he let his cat out and her name was Brandy and she never came back. Oh. Recently, even though he moved 65 kilometers, he now lives in San Fernando Valley. He was called by an animal shelter who was able to identify Brandy by her microchip and said, we have your cat. What? He still does not believe it's her, but it was the microchip (laughs) and he got there. It was the tabby, same coloring. She was very skinny. She did not look very healthy, but sure enough, all these years later, um, they identified her and he went and picked her up and he brought her home and he's nursing her back to health and she's doing all right, even though she was quite thin and she had some minor injuries, but she's recovering and gaining weight. So he thought for sure there's no way. But when he got, but that was his kitty, Brandy, 15 years later. As soon as she got home, here's his quote She purrs a lot. She seems to be happy to have a home again. Well, isn't that sweet? And, you know, just a little PSA if your animals don't have, get them the, the tattoo or the microchip now, it's pretty, it's a relatively non-invasive procedure um, because you never know. You could get separated and years later, they could come back to you. Very good. Well, that was a really interesting topic, Kristen. And uh, I'd like to thank Julie for her story. And I hope you all found what you're looking for. 